not met, I'm Pastor Mike Ramsdale. Today is the second week of The One Thing, and we thank Beth for leading the choir and worship today. Uh, Dr. Scott, who's normally here, is out running a triathlon. Uh, he has done small ones. This is his first full triathlon, which is bicycling, swimming, and running. You have an idea what that means. Uh, he began this morning around daybreak. He'll finish this afternoon. That's how long it takes to do all that. So if you're thinking about the spiritual experience you're having today in worship and praying and, and singing and listening to a message, he's also having a spiritual experience. He's saying things like, help me, Jesus. Please don't let me die, Lord. Lord, give me strength for one more step. And so he's having that as well. Having, having run a marathon, I know exactly what that means. He's probably right at that stage right now. Oh, Lord, why did I do this? He's also doing that in his spiritual time today. Uh, secondly, we're having a Veterans Day service this Wednesday night. You saw that uh, mentioned earlier. It's at 7 o'clock. We have it every year. Hope you'll be able to come. Veteran or not, it's a way of celebrating, marking veterans in our nation, sacrifice that made for the country. A special moment during that time is we have the flags brought in. We have uh, veterans uh, from each branch bring their flag in, uh, Coast Guard, uh, Navy, uh, Marine Corps, Army, and also Air Force. We're actually missing right now the Air Force person. Uh, and so if you're in the Air Force, you'd like to or were in the Air Force at any time, and you'd like to volunteer to carry the flag Wednesday night, you're going to be here, uh, raise your hand real quick. Somebody, I'll do it. I was in the Air Force. I will bring the flag in. Raise your hand. Somebody. Okay, you got it. It's your job. See you there. Thank you, Air Force. I always joke about the Air Force. My father was in the Air Force for 22 years and flew in Korea and all that kind of thing. I asked a man here who was in the Air Force, and I said, were you in the military? He said, no, I was in the Air Force. Uh, <laughs> but that was his joke. That was his joke. It was not my joke. And just for fun, I told that joke at a funeral I did some years ago. And it was a funeral for a, a retired colonel in the Army who actually flew uh, the helicopters uh, in uh, the very first air cab assault uh, in the history of the world, really, there in Vietnam. And, and he's actually a movie was made. We were soldiers from his adventure. So it was quite a moment. And, uh, and we had generals all over the place out there who came to the services. And I made that joke because he was in the Army. And someone at the end came up and said, you know, uh, Pastor Mike, or Reverend Mike, uh, the, uh, the head of the Air Force Academy was sitting out there. And I thought, oh, yeah, it would only happen to me. So... Nothing to do with the one thing, but I told the story anyway. Uh, now I want to add something else today. Uh, some might be aware, if not everybody, that for a year or so, Texas had a real crisis. Uh, we were trying to struggle through. That crisis was the lack of, I'm going to show you a picture now, the lack of bluebell ice cream. <laughs> I mean, it seemed like it was a pretty big deal. Well, how many know it's now available? Okay. Well, it's now available, and if you would, pull out your bulletin. If you didn't get one, I'm sorry. Pull out your bulletin, look in the upper left-hand corner, and see if you see a smiley face there. Anybody see a smiley face in your bulletin? If you don't, I'm in trouble. Anybody see a smiley face there? Somebody say, I see it. It's on the back, right there on the message page the message page. Anybody get that? Okay. Well, you just won that. Uh, you won a half gallon of bluebell ice cream, and I got chocolate and vanilla, so everybody be happy in your family. 
Uh, one's bound to like the other. And if you don't want that ice cream, just don't pick it up in the freezer over there, and I'll get it. So, but, we, but, I, but I'd rather you get it. It's in the freezer in the main building in the kitchen over there. If you know where that is, if you don't, just ask. We'll, show you, we'll tell you where that is. That's the only freezer we have that's available that's close by. So it's in there. It's the, both kinds. It's called the Great Divide, <laughs> an unusual name for ice cream. I've seen it in Colorado. It's very different there. Well, we're back to, uh, finally, you're thinking, finally, the one thing, and we're talking about Matthew today. And you may overlook this Bible character who was one of the 12 disciples, thinking he just wanted them. No, he wasn't just one of them. You might know there were 10 fishermen, just dirty fishermen who made their living in that way. There was one Judean, who's Judas, and there was Matthew, who's often called and known as the tax collector or publican. Now, you've got to understand what's going on here to really get a grip on the simple invitation that Jesus gave him. In that time, these tax collectors were considered really traitors to their own people, and they taxed everything. Uh, some of the taxes that they were about were income tax, import tax, export tax, crop taxes, sales tax, property taxes, emergency taxes, and people walking by with stuff taxes. <laughs> Literally, they would do that. And so Matthew was on the street, there at a table, collecting taxes. Uh, he collected taxes for Rome, the Roman conquerors. It'd be like collecting taxes for the Nazis from your French family and neighbors. That's what he was doing. They also, those taxes, supported not only Rome and all the power and might of Rome and the wealth of Rome, but also supported uh, King Herod, uh, who was a usurper to the Jewish throne. They hated him too. That's who they were collecting taxes for and from. Not only that, but they often purchased the right to be a publican because it was so lucrative to be one, and they were willing to give up their integrity, their character, uh, their friends, uh, their status, everything for the sake of the money they were going to get, taxing their own people. I can't say enough about how they were viewed by uh, all of Israel, these handful of tax collectors that lived throughout Israel and even the Roman Empire, uh, and they were rich. They became wealthy. How? Well, they would tax, as they were told. They were required to collect so much to give to Rome, but if they taxed over that, that was theirs to keep. Rome didn't care. As long as they got their cut, you can have whatever cut you want. It didn't bother us. So they would take a higher tax uh, in all varieties of numbers so they, they would be able to pad their own pockets. They were considered so evil by Israel they weren't allowed in the synagogue. They weren't allowed in the temple. They could not be a witness in court. If anyone touched them, they'd be considered unclean, and they were absolutely hated for who they were and what they did. And Matthew was a publican. He was a, uh, a, a tax collector, and he had the one thing in his life which was to give up everything. Are you listening? The one thing in his life was to give up everything if he wanted to follow Jesus Christ. What would he gain? The salvation of his soul 
and all that a soul being saved means. Yes, eternal life, but also the fullness and meaning of life in and with God, in and with Christ, God's Son sent into the world to save us. The verse again, chapter 9, verse 9 of Matthew, the book Matthew penned. Jesus said to Matthew, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Don't underestimate what that means. That he left his table with his records on there, with his files, his maintenance paperwork to keep up, to be able to leave that all there to go follow Jesus Christ. Two and a half weeks ago, we got a chance to be at Kairos Prison Ministry. Our church does that a lot. I got to be there three or four days with 42 inmates. They're called men in white because they wear white clothing. Uh, one said there, when I get out, I'm not going to wear white ever again because they have to wear white every day, and they, that's what they do. And we got a chance to share Christ with them in lots of ways. I got to preach a message. We read some Bible verses. We share some other stories. Many are involved. Small tables gather around, and, and there they are, and we uh, you know, share our faith, and we go through uh, the message, and we eventually lead them to a place. We hope they'll eventually say, I want to give my heart to Christ. That's our goal. And then to go beyond that to what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That's the intent of the event. One young man at my table, he's 42 years old. He seemed young to me anyway. And at my table, he, did, he had just received 25 years in prison. He had just got that down that he was convicted. He was there for another reason. Now, this reason added to it, 25 years. He wasn't very happy about that. Uh, and he's sitting at my table. We talked about it for a while. And then, then laughing, he said, you know, I got to tell you, uh, Pastor Mike, that, uh, that I, I, I'm allergic to alcohol. When I drink, I break out in handcuffs. <laughs> and uh, funny, that's his, his story. He, he told me that, which is really why he was there. He had been convicted for assault and battery on someone when he was under the influence. So that's his story. But at the beginning, we have men who stand up and say why they have voluntarily chosen to spend three to four days with several clergy, Christians, church people, uh, to talk about faith, whatever that's going to be, whatever that means to them. And so here's some of the things that they said. First one that I really heard loudly stood up and said, now remember, he's an inmate. He's a convicted criminal. He's there because he broke the law. He has a small cell. He's surrounded by guards and has bars uh, around uh, his room, and he has barbed wire around the fence where he's living for how long, I don't know. And he says, I want to be a righteous man. I'm here because I want to learn how to be a righteous man. Now, that's an amazing word to even say in prison, righteous. Not a word you and I use very often, really, probably, is it? We might say, I'm a Christian, but what's, I want to be a righteous man. Think about Matthew. He was anything but, I mean, if anything, he was worse than any criminal in that prison. To betray his own people, to be a traitor to his own country, to sell his own soul for a few dollars, to be able to have this wealth and be rejected by all around him. His bars weren't literal, they were figurative, but they were even more solid than anything that this young man was experiencing tattooed and uh, there in that prison. I want to be a righteous man. You know, one stood up and said, more than one said, I want to be a better father. In prison, he became aware that he had, he, he had actually, because of his crime, 
put in prison, he was being a bad father not there for his kids. And that is what he thought of. I want to be a better father. One said, I want to be a better person. I said, better than I've been. Is, there, is, there, is that possible? I want to be a positive influence in my family instead of, the, instead of the influence that I've been in the last probably all of his life. I want to be a Christian, one said. I want to, I want to get the past in the past. I want, I want the past to be the past, and please, God, I want the new to be different than it's been. Not that dissimilar to what Matthew is experiencing as he there is on his table collecting his taxes, saying, yeah, our cart goes by. You need to pay me taxes on that. I think you owe me this many shekels for what you have in that cart. Somebody else comes up and says, I'm here to pay my property tax. I don't have very much. He said, well, you've got to give this much. Or the income tax time where someone comes in, and we know you make this much money. You've got to give this much, and they, and they give that. And, and all of it's going to the Roman conquerors, not to them. It's going to King Herod so he can build his palace bigger. That's who's going to get it. It's going to pay the very soldiers who are, who are there occupying their land. That's what's going to be done with that money. And that's who he is. And he gets up and follows Jesus. Wondering probably, where is this going to take me? What will he teach me? What will I have to change? What will my life look like now? But he made the decision. had the courage to follow. And you probably know much of the rest of the story, how his life dramatically changed. Immediately after, uh, Jesus went to Matthew's home. He evidently already had an event, and the home was full of tax collectors. They had to be with each other. Nobody else would be around them. It was a house full of publicans. Uh, and, And Jesus was accused by religious leaders about going into that home. Don't you know who you were? If you knew who was there, what kind of sinners they were, you wouldn't get around those people. He said, listen, I've been sent to those who are sick, not to those that are well. And then he talked about mercy. God desires and gives and grants mercy. Amazing, wonderful word, mercy. You know, and I want you to see that, that when Jesus walks by Matthew, he's saying, I'm going to give you mercy. He could have done two things. He could have walked past. He could have walked past. Well, three, three things, actually. He could have ignored him. But one thing is he could have walked past and said, your sins are forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven. And then go on his way. But no. He wants him to have more than that. Please, please listen. I want you, Matthew, to have more than just your sins forgiven. I can just say your sins are forgiven. I want you to have, I want you to have the life that's possible. It's called the abundant life. I want you to have a life that can only come with walking and following and knowing and being with me on this amazing journey that we call today discipleship. When we're talking about the one thing, we're talking about that really. There are things I want to add to this in some of the promises made in Scripture that speak to what this looks like. Here is where he was going and all those who have the courage to truly accept Christ and follow Christ in the fullness of the one thing, to do what Matthew did, give up all that he had to get what God was going to give him, the same thing these prisoners are saying, and I'm going to give all that up for the one thing. I want to be a righteous man, first one said. Second Timothy 1.12, Paul writes these words, I know whom I have believed 
and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. That's the life that I want. I want that. I hope you want that too. To believe in God so fully and completely that it defines who you are and who we are, knowing that all we give to him and all we give up is safe and secure. All we commit is in the place it should be, in the hands of God who loves us. A second verse is Philippians 3.8, also the words of the Apostle Paul. More than that, I count all things lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Everything else doesn't mean that much compared to this high value of Christ my Lord. Matthew, tax collector, his table, his wealth, his position, his power and authority representing Rome, uh, all that is lost for the sake of leaving that table and following Christ wherever he is going to take me. But he had to give it up to be able to move in that new direction and change his focus in life around the surpassing value of what it was to know Christ. Uh, the salvation of our soul is what he was getting and all that that means. Not only the salvation of our, our soul to get to heaven to come one day, that's certainly a big part of it, but also salvation of our life. Restoration of what life could be, what it could be walking with God, knowing God, loving God, being loved by God, and sharing that with the world that we live in. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, and please look at the last part carefully. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that we've been designed for a purpose to do and be good. And, and those, those men, what did they say? I want to be a righteous man. I want to be a good man, a better father, a better person, a better influence on my family. I want to be a Christian. I want the past to be the past and the new to be new. What Matthew was about, what, what all people who want to trust God and believe in God are about. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10, for good works and what that means. There are two more points I want to add to this. Giving, serving, living is a reflection of what God has done, is doing, and will do in our lives. It means many things. My question I have to ask all of us today is, does my life and what I do reflect what I believe? If I say I believe in Jesus Christ, if I say I'm a Christian, if I say I've accepted him as my Lord, if I say I want to be a follower of the Lord, if I say I've left the table and I made a decision to be a disciple, does my life reflect that and what might that look like? Yesterday morning, this is an illustration, but uh, yesterday morning, got a chance to be part of the, the Ponder uh, 5K, Ponder Panther 5K run, uh, which is for a school that we partner with as a church. Uh, we have many in our church who are mentors there for many of the kids in that school. Uh, I've, been, I've done that, uh, been part of that since we began that, called the Big Hope Program. We love that. Uh, and they invite us to share in uh, the Ponder Panther 5K run through the PTA to raise some money. And so I volunteered to do that. Others in our church were there as well. Uh, and my granddaughter is 18 years old, lives with, lives with us now. She's going to college. She told me a few days before, you know, I'll do that with you. And I thought, oh, well, good, good. My granddaughter will go with me. And, and she said she would. But we got up yesterday morning, and it was raining. Uh, and it was cold. And it was wet. 
And you know, this is not going to be fun, right? Sometimes those things can be fun. Get out there, nice day, you know, a, a jaunt, you know, in the park. It's only three miles, not terribly far. Uh, and so you do that. You see a lot of people. But, you know, no, this is going to be like this, you know. You're standing out there waiting for your time to get up there, and you got your hat on. And you get, that's all I have. And so I'm thinking, this girl is not going to go with me. She's 18. Uh, it's her first year of college. It's early in the morning. She stayed out late last night with some friends, church friends, by the way. She has a lot of church friends here. Uh, she's going to say no, so I, but I'm going to give her a chance. Kenzie, Kenzie, are you ready for the run? No. Well, you know it's raining and cold. Do you still want to do it? She said, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, and so she said yes. Now, it took three more times to encourage her. Um, and, and the fourth time, the light was turned on, bright light there in the room. But she got up and she got dressed. She reminded me of that fourth time uh, and got dressed. We went out there and we did the 5K. And she won first place in her age division. I won first place in mine because we're the only ones in our age division. If so, the picture. I usually am the only one in my age division, so that's not remarkable. It was for her. But we did run the thing. Got that. But, you know... It's, it's, how do you reflect what you believe? That's a simple way. Not, not for everybody, but for me in that morning as a, as a pastor here, as helping with that school. It certainly is our giving to the church. It certainly is. Does that reflect what I really believe, what I do with my money, what I, how I give my tithe, how I spend my money? And that's a broad way too. Not just in what I give to the church, but also how I deal with money. Life, hours, time, service, presence, energy, all that we have, God's given us. If I believe that, and, and when you look at the Matthew story, what happened there, the one thing was everything. That was what he gave. The one thing was everything for what the new was going to be. And he made that decision. He got up. And I've thought for many years, there was no more, maybe the greatest moment of courage outside Christ crucified was Matthew getting up and heading this new direction. He might have had greater courage than anyone in the New Testament outside of Jesus himself by leaving all that to take on what was new. Reflection, what God has done, is doing, and will do. Secondly, giving is a reflection of our love for God, our faith, who we are as Christians, people who chose to get up from the table and follow. How we understand that. Now back to Matthew again, if we can. A reminder, the kind of man that he was, what he had done. Uh, he was equal to a Nazi collaborator. Those in, in France and other places who were willing to gain benefit from the Nazis, from their own people to have a better life and more income, and they chose to make that kind of sacrifice. Uh, the hatred for people, for those what called collaborators, uh, was astonishing after that war. And many were executed for collaborating with the Nazis. That's how people, others were, were, were beat to death. Uh, that would go on and on. I could tell you more about that. And that's who he was. He was hated. He collaborated. He lived a luxury lifestyle because of his collaboration in the midst of poor people. He stole from those who could afford to be stolen, for who, who, who could afford to lose uh, the least. That's what he did. And I'm convinced in that world, in that time, in that history, there was only one person in all the planet who would have said, 
Matthew, you can follow me if you want to. There's only one. No one else would have done it. No other uh, leader, no other religious person, no other anyone. But Jesus, not even a Roman would say, follow me. They didn't like these tax collectors either. They knew what they were and who they were. But Jesus said, I want you to follow. I want you to follow me. Maybe that's why he got up. That, that, that me? Me? I mean, I see your other disciples. I've seen other followers of religious people, the Pharisees and Sadducees, other religious leaders, Essenes, but, but you want me? Do you know who I am? Well, he knew who he, who, he, knew, he, knew who he was. And he got, I'm going to follow this man. You know, I think there are many things that are somewhat tangible in the world. Life and death is surely has some tangible aspects. Our money has some tangible aspects. Our stuff has tangible aspects, where we live, the cars we drive. Those are all kind of tangible things. But for our way of thinking as Christians is this, that there's nothing more tangible than the mercy of God. Okay? Because God's mercy transcends life and death. Having stuff or having nothing. It trans the mercy of God transcends everything. There's nothing more tangible than the Christ given mercy of our heavenly God. And that is the world that Matthew stepped into, God's mercy. And he lived that out in his life. The book of Matthew speaks of that, certainly. What he gave up speaks of that. What he gave speaks of that. Partnering with the Lord Jesus Christ, which is what it is being part of the kingdom of God, it certainly speaks of that. And we speak to that ourselves in worship this morning, that's simply being here God, I, I gave up my morning to come to church and, and, and to sing and to pray and to worship and to give and to hear a sermon on money because I knew it was going to be about the right side. The, the, I knew it was, what it was going to be about today. We're in this three-week stewardship campaign we do every year. I knew that, and here I am. So we celebrate that and what our life can become in that same sense of faith Jesus is offering Matthew. Last week we talked about uh, one of the great miracles of Scripture. This may be a greater miracle, by the way, but... Miracle of Scripture was the feeding of the 5,000. If you've not heard that story, uh, Jesus was preaching to a lot, of, uh, a lot of people there in Galilee. Uh, crowds came. He had compassion on them, we were told. So they were hungry and took two fish, five loaves of bread, blessed it, and fed 5,000 people with it. Uh, the miracle was each took a small piece and passed it on to someone else. No one kept it for themselves. In that passing from what God had done, parting with God's miracle, they all received the miracle. And some months later, when they were having this faith issue, we have faith issues all the time. All of us have faith issues, I know that. I do, you do, we do. He said, don't you remember how many baskets were left over after that miracle? And they said, 12 full baskets were left over. And that's all Jesus says. He says, okay, see? Remember? You got it? Uh, and and they, they catch the message. Twelve baskets left over. So here's what Matthew's doing. He's living a life with two fish and five loaves of bread, entering one with twelve baskets left over. And all that it means to walk with God in the mercy of a loving Savior. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you today for the mercy you give us now and our chance to receive and, and bask in the glow of your grace once again, so we do. This time of worship, this time of need, 
this time of prayer, Lord, help us, this time of grace, this time of, of, of a message God speaks, spoke to us in the book of Matthew. So we hear, may we respond. For some, God may be just making Christ our Lord and Savior for the first time, some being more serious about what it is to follow Christ, some getting up from our table and following you, and all of us really leaving all that is for all that could be as those who embrace the good news of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.